0: It's Jody Butts, and welcome to At Risk. You won't find the freedom to laugh or to joke in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, but it's a freedom we enjoy here in Canada that we can sometimes take for granted. Best-selling author, television star, and epic comedian, Mark Critch, joins us today as a delightful reminder. Mark is one of the hardest working comedians in show business, winning multiple awards for both writing and performance. Hitting the road every week, Mark brings the powerful and famous down to earth and into your living room. In addition to 18 years starring on this hour's 22 minutes, Mark is the host of CBC's long running Halifax Comedy Fest and has appeared in CBC's world renowned Just for Laughs series. His first book, Son of a Critch, is a national bestseller. A TV adaptation starring Mark as his father premiered on CBC in January. His new book, An Embarrassment of Critches, is available through Penguin Random House Canada. Mark and I discussed the role of comedy in tragic circumstances, the risk and responsibility that comes with telling a joke, And I ask him if he will ever run for office. Sit back and flex your comedic freedoms and please enjoy your embarrassment of critches. Thank you for joining me, Mark, and welcome to At Risk. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Mark, I'm really enjoying Son of a Critch. Uh, When I read the book, though, I felt like it was a little bit sad. The church was a fraud. There was a fair bit of violence. Friends ended up in jail. What's the relationship between tragedy and comedy?
1: I think, you know, it's it's a great way of dealing with things. And a lot of, I guess, us comedians coming out of Newfoundland and Labrador can be uh, maybe a little acerbic, sharp tongue dark at times but also you know quite joyful and loving and and sentimental as well but I think our sense of humor kind of I guess it comes from finding humor uh, to get you through hard times living off the sea there were always drownings the economy was always failing and uh people were out of work the cod moratorium all these things and I guess it was a matter of uh you know, you have to laugh at it to survive. And, um, and it's also I think sometimes humor in a dark situation is a way to remind each other, you know, we're going to get through this. It's it's good. This is horrible. But we will get through it. And, uh, and I, I think uh, sometimes a, a laugh can can be as good as a hug.
0: Well, that's a wonderful thought. I like that. It's also a little bit like swearing, right? Swearing can be a coping mechanism to kind of release the rage and frustration. Absolutely.
1: And a great thing humor does too, is it kind of resets a room or, or sometimes if somebody makes fun of something that nobody wants to say, the elephant in the room, whatever. Once it's spoken about, once it's the bubble has been popped, uh, it's it's a great relief for people. Even sometimes people say, "Oh, you can't joke about that." And sometimes it's just a way of saying, "Ah, oh, screw it." And it's like swearing or something. It's it's the kettle the 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 kettle boiling, you know. And uh, and and I think that could be quite healthy.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's exactly the right word. It's it's healthy. It's it's what we need to do to uh, release the stress of uh, so many situations, big and small. Oh, absolutely. So you've of course mentioned Newfoundland um and you wrote about it as a place that takes and gives just like the surrounding ocean. What does it take and
1: what does it give? Um yeah, well it 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 takes and gives wonderful things. You know, you have your beautiful community. You have it's a place based on uh surviving for work right like our our little our island is the island portion of the province it's settled all around the perimeter that's because people weren't really there to inhabit it so much as they were to fish and survive fish and survive and then when canada joined newfoundland uh we were all uh you know interconnected with this ribbon of highways and and you could much easier access to the place but in those early days, it was a sense of community. You know, if if someone was sick, everybody had to tend to that person. If someone's house burned down, everybody got together and they built another one. So it, that kind of over friendliness that Newfoundlanders and Labradorians have, which which can some people could consider creepy. You know, it's almost like Wicker Man or something. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's coming from a okay. What do we do? What do we do? And that's kind of bred into us now. Uh, not kind of like someone having to ask for help genuine generally people are there to help for the most part before you have to ask which is a wonderful thing and part of the reason that is um whether it's uh we just celebrated an anniversary of the ocean ranger tragedy which is something that i uh remember well from my youth when um uh, 80-something Newfoundlanders, Labradorians uh, died on a uh, oil rig, our first great oil rig, the Ocean Ranger, which, which uh, succumbed to a storm. And the oil was supposed to be our future to take us away from the fishery, to take us away from all these dangers. And here it was, you know, our first big crack at it. And, and then this happened. So it seemed like you're always... And then, of course, the economy I mean, Newfoundland and Labrador is the only place that went broke because it discovered oil, you know, <laughs> we, we invested in the hydro and look what happened. So um, it's, it has this almost cursed feeling sometimes when you go surely to God, it'll get better, but it does get better. And, and it, and it, uh, it, the, the, either people are used to dealing with hard times and they get through it together. So um, yeah, it's constantly, it's the ebb and flow of the ocean, you know, there's good times and bads, taking and giving, but uh, we stick on that rock no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> Is comedy a little bit like that? Does it take and give? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I think comedy always gives really. It, I think it brings people together. You can get away with saying truthful things that you might not have the courage to say otherwise with comedy. Uh, it can be a great healing device, you know. Um, it, it can it can uh, encourage people. It can inspire people, and uh, it's an interesting art form because generally, for funding of things, governments will give grants to uh, you know ballets and symphony <laughs> orchestras and things. But people don't really generally think of, of comedy as an art form, but it is, and I think I think it's the only honest art form from an audience's point of view. Cause you can go to a ballet and then you can sit through it and you can be bored and you can think it's stupid and you can think they weren't very good. And you can talk to the ballerina afterwards and say, that was wonderful, my God, it was so moving. And they'll go, oh yes, okay. And you can go hear somebody play a song at a pub and um, it could be horrible. And afterwards the singer will say, how was that? And you'll say, oh wow, you know, uh, it was, it, people were quiet, but man, they were really listening and they loved it. And then that guy would go home and go, oh man, I, I've got something. But with comedy, if the audience doesn't make a reaction that they can't control, a laugh is like um, vomiting or sneezing, right? It's it's something that <laughs> happens. You lose control of yourself. You look very ugly when you're laughing. It's, it's a horrible thing. It, and it, you just, it's like a spasm. If they don't do that, you have failed every time they don't do that. So it's the only one you can't lie to yourself about. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> how'd that go? Well, they didn't laugh. Did you hope they would laugh? Yeah, they didn't laugh. <laughs> I guess that went bad, didn't it? Yeah, it went very poorly. So it's the only one you can't lie to yourself about or fake. And, and I think that, that's, that that makes it the uh, kind of one of the truest art forms. And the other thing with, with comedy is there's something inherent in people. It's, it's this weird telepathic thing. People will laugh more at something that happens genuinely in the moment than they will something that is scripted. I've seen this happen a thousand times. Like if I'm talking to somebody back and forth and I come up with something in a moment, people can understand that. They, they few sense that that happened then, that that was real and they'll laugh even harder because comedy is, you know, it's breaking patterns. It's surprising people. And uh, it's, it's something that uh, it, it's that, it really brings people together. And the, one of my favorite reactions for comedy is when I'm looking in the audience more than a laugh is if I see a couple there and one person might nudge the other person and say, that's what we were thinking or that, or that's like us. Or, you know, when you hit on a common truth and people go, oh, I hadn't really thought of that before. But that's so true. That's a wonderful thing. So it really brings uh, people together and, 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 a, and a crowd will have a group mind. You know, the, uh, a crowd will become rowdier or crowd will be more quiet or it's a fascinating thing from see from the performers side of things you can tell behind the curtain what kind of an audience is going to be just by listening to them settle in their seats you know and it's uh it's exciting oh well I love comedy um
0: I I have been described as a laugh whore I just love to That's laugh great. we need more
1: <laughs> of those in life
0: um at Canada 2020 we do try to be uh, policy minded so so I am going to ask you a little bit of a policy question here um there was uh recently uh, a case went to the Supreme Court of Canada involving a comedian he had uh made um a child singer with a disability uh the butt of his jokes and and the singer advanced a claim under the Quebec. Uh, Charter of Human Rights. Um, now, I'm not going to ask you to opine on the law. I'm a trained lawyer. I wouldn't opine on that law. I don't know. It cl- I don't know it well enough. But in general, do you think comedians should be able to
1: say anything they want, tell any joke? Well, I think with that one, <clears throat> he got away with that because it was a the child was famous enough that he was considered a public figure who you can make right. fun of. Legally, that's fine. And a lot of comedians will go on and on and say, oh, they're trying to take away or you can't joke about anything anymore. I just think that guy was a bad comedian. I think he's a (laughs) a, a, a shitty comedian. And I can get out there. Anyone could get up and make people laugh by doing really crude stuff, vulgar stuff, idiotic stuff. But why? Why bother? Like if you're supposed to be this great comedian, kick up, you know? I always try to kick up. The uh, you know the way I try to explain it to people is two people like in a cartoon right you have a tramp character like a Charlie Chaplin you have a policeman now if the policeman isn't looking and Charlie Chaplin kicks the policeman in the bum it's funny if Charlie isn't looking if a cop just kicks a homeless person in the bum that's not funny two people the same movement this everything's the same except for who does what to who kicking up is great if, if you're if you can you know look somebody powerful in the eye or, or say something to a crowd that is daring to them if you're saying a young child who is sick is ugly and that's what you're going to the supreme court over buddy, you know work <laughs> on your stuff better there will always be stupid comedians though right and freedom yeah. of speech is it's freedom of speech you there have always been comedians though you go back to um, Milton Berle was saying we can't say things like this anymore on stage. Uh, people said Lenny Bruce went to court over it. Uh, there constantly when people were being George Carlin was arrested several times for swearing on stage. So there have been lots of times when people have been saying uh, in, in our history, "Oh, you can't joke about anything anymore." Uh, but there were lots of people who used to do. Um, you know, minstrel acts and stuff and that stopped and all those people said they're, ta- they're being too politically correct back in those days. There were people who used to do um, a lot of what they called an ethnic act where they would do different accents and make fun of, you know, Chinese people and Japanese people and things like that. And then those book acts stopped being booked because uh, the uh, Chinese American Association complained and things like that. So then and all these people said, oh, you can't joke about anything anymore. So 100 years from now, some comedian will be saying, this is ridiculous. You can't joke about anything anymore, right? (laughs) It'll keep getting pushed down. What doesn't change is I don't think any of those people are actually funny, right? Right. So they're just picking on somebody who is uh, more vulnerable than them so that other idiots will find it funny we'll always have idiots and assholes. So that's always going to be an element. Um, And I guess legally they have a right to do it. But I, I but genuinely what happened, I think uh, with our history as we evolved is nobody is now arguing that they should still be able to do a minstrel act or nobody is arguing that they should still be doing these ethnic acts. And I would hope that, you know, in a few, well now, uh, uh, trans people they're they're the latest thing dave chappelle is saying oh why can't i make fun of trans people you can do it but well, should you be able to maybe come up with something else is the way i look at it you know i i always think whenever i see a comedian arguing that they can't say anything anymore generally they're either not funny anymore or were never that funny
0: that's a really great answer and um, it's something that I think about myself and you brought up Dave Chappelle he's he's a, a great example of it what I always wonder about is like is that part of the impulse of comedy is that the risk the dare the flying without a net the being naughty in front of a crowd like i saw george carlin live in in vegas but before he passed and you could just um the delight with which he took to his swearing was like no other um <laughs> so so i've often wondered what well i agree with you it's like oh don't do that. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, like as you say, kick up, not not down.
1: Well, the problem is, like, there are with the internet, with et cetera, et cetera. There are very few taboo topics anymore, really. You know, we yeah. the things like like saying the f word on television was unheard of when Carlin did it. You know. And uh, and now people are constantly trying. It's like Star Trek, you know, to explore strange new worlds and seek out new life form when no one has gone before. It's like, or, you know, spend some time on your act is also a thing you can do, right? And it's like, oh, as, as entertainers get a bit long into tooth and maybe smoke too much weed, Dave gets up and he's like, oh, I know who needs to get it. Those trans people have been riding too high for too long, you know? It's like, <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Somebody wants to be called they. What the hell's going to happen? You know? So uh, uh, it's, it's. I just find that sad. You know, like when a boxer, there's box too long, you know? Like when yeah. Ali, he's like, I've got one more in me. And it's like, no, no you don't, champ, you know? And yeah. sometimes it's like, watch what I'll, I'm going to show these millennials. And anytime you're like, I'm going to show these young people, well, you're Bob Hope now. You don't want to think <laughs> you are. Well, you're Bob Hope, but. And uh, it's like Bob Hope saying, "Oh man, I, I gotta tell you, you can't, you can't make fun of those homosexuals anymore. It's ridiculous, you know. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Do you want to be that guy? Come on." So um, I think there is. Yeah, you're right. There is in with these Netflix specials and stuff. There's a lot of yeah. pressure to stand out. There are when it was three channels, it was a lot easier. Now TV isn't even a thing anymore. Now it's all you know on your phone and TikTok. And how the hell do you? how the hell you heard one way is have a bunch of articles saying you're transphobic and all this stuff as well. And uh, the the other thing too, though, in, in a slight defense of comedians is not somebody like Chappelle, who's already worked the act out before he does it. The next, next special, but there was a time when comedians would be able to, you know, go to a club, work out material, maybe say something stupid, say something wrong, risk, not free associate, Maybe say something that they haven't fully thought out before and you could work out and act. Now, the second you do something, it's on YouTube. People film shows. People... So there's no such thing really as you and an audience, and it's just us in this room right now. And we're going to have a, a unique experience because before you're home that night, that whole thing is probably on YouTube. So I I think it might be hard for some younger comics as well to define a voice and even think what they think about, figure out what they think about certain topics, you know? Yeah. I don't think we're a culture that uh, ponders or reflects that much anymore. We spit things out before somebody else says it so we can get the clicks, you know? News is like that. There's a lot of clickbait things. Things are posted faster than they're researched, sometimes more and more now because everybody's in a rush to be the first, to be the first, to be the first. And and I and I think that's hurt comedy a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think um, part of the impact of Netflix too is it's like, okay, Chappelle, you're you're a little bit of a philosoph, and I actually want to hear what you think because you clearly invest a lot of time in thinking about these things. But on the other hand, recognize you're a gazillionaire. You you've had this three stand up deal with Netflix. You're not you're not the same. Young kid, right? Who's just you know, it's just him and a microphone. It's him, a microphone, and like bags of money.
1: <laughs> yeah, people don't realize they're evolving. The thing about Chappelle did too is like he he waited out COVID like on like a private island with a bunch of his friends, like a hundred, <laughs> and then they all got COVID, and of they had to get b- broken up. And then they tried it again, and they all got it again. And I just thought <laughs> like, well, there you go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all you need to know. Right. Exactly. It, you know, so it's, you know, it'll always be that, but I, whenever I think, whenever I see Chappelle going after trans people or that uh, Quebec comic mocking a child with a disability, I feel bad for him. I think it's desperation.
0: Yeah. You
1: yeah. know, and, and what else have you heard from that comic other than he mocked that child? Nothing, nothing. Yeah. Cause he isn't yeah. funny and he that's never right. will be. And now he's going around like some kind of hero for the Joe Rogan set, you know? Yeah. And it's, uh, um, and then they're like, they people want to talk to him about that, but they never want him to do anything new because there's nothing for him to do. And so I, I think the other thing too, with a comedian is it's not licensed, right? Anyone can say they are one. Right. And I would say doctors who get hit with a lot of malpractice suits complain that, The courts are crazy as well, you know, but (laughs) maybe they're just bad at it Um, is also you can also just be bad at something. Yeah. Yeah. It's lazy, too. Right. It's laziness. And rich people get lazy performers. Right. Yeah. Like Bob Hope as well. Like you never thought like, oh, I don't want to see those early road movies. Show me some of this later stuff. I want to see his 87th birthday special. That's when he was cooking. You know, people people stick around too long.
0: (laughs) For sure, for sure. Um, Okay, so going back to that concept of kicking up, what's the relationship between comedy and politics? Like, why do they go so well together?
1: Well, when I was growing up in Newfoundland, we, you know, politics was something everybody talked about at the dinner table, like it was wrestling or something, because in Newfoundland, we have these giant personalities, especially back then, you know, Smallwood and Crosby and these people were more like wrestlers than politicians, you know, uh, the mayor of St. John's at the time, uh, Andy Wells was like, you know, this loud misogynist guy who every time you turned on the news, there'd be some other crazy statement and everything was, you know, you grew up just everybody was talking about it all. And I think, um, I think it, it, it's it's topical. It pushes buttons. Politicians are are good characters. It's it's like when you were a kid in school making fun of teachers in a lot of ways, you know, and now the teacher is Trump or Trudeau or whoever, um, and uh, it it's everybody thinks they're an expert without knowing anything about politics, which is great for comedy. <laughs> um, you can you can be an expert these days just by picking a side. You know, it's like oh, I'm blue, and and that's it, and you don't have to look any deeper. And um, I, I think it's uh, reassuring as well, people that you don't really have that much power over you. You can mock them. Uh, I mean, you don't have any real power over until you know there's another election or whatever. You can mock them and try and take back a little, make it seem like you have some control of the world you're in. But, um, and also it, it's like, you know, it's, it's the lobster in the pot scenario too. People try to get up to the top and they climb out and then we want to haul them back in. We elect people People will do signs. They're going to change everything. And then after a certain point, we're just waiting for them to fail. So we can haul them back into the pot. So uh, yeah, p- politics is a sport, you know, people like to talk about sports and politics and um, uh, you pick a team and that's your team for a, a long time for some people and other people casually observe it, but they always will watch the Super Bowl. you know, but they might not be a football fan, but they'll have something to say during the election. And uh and now it's, it's now, of course, it devolved into this social media thing, which is everybody's an expert. Nobody knows what they're talking about. And then it just devolves into insults, which, I, I, which is I, the most unhealthy thing I think we've seen. And I don't, I don't, I think it always ends in the same way these days, no matter where in the world it is with somebody honking. You know, some (laughs) angry person honking, just honking out in front of something, you know, Uh, uh, and uh, and of course, the worst thing with politics and I guess with humor in a way now is that everybody gets their own little news feed. Everybody gets their own reality and nobody really listens to the other side anymore. And uh, it's funny, you know, I'll make a joke about I make jokes about, you know, when Aaron O'Toole was leader, I'd make a joke about Aaron O'Toole. And all the comments would be, oh, you lefty, you commie, you this and that. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, I don't you ever say anything about Justin Trudeau. I I have for, you know, what feels like a thousand years now. (laughs) No, you haven't. (laughs) And then I did one uh, making fun of Justin a couple of weeks ago. And all the comments are always the same. Oh, well trudeau has left his attack dog off the leash even the cbc is turning against trudeau finally and then jordan peterson retweeted it or something as well the cbc has turned on him it's like well i made a joke about him last week too and i also made a joke about the other people and you know it's like so everybody's trying to amplify meaning to things for a big win and uh so everything's taken out of context now uh and nobody reads a full article anymore. and so, um that could be good and bad for comedy. With
0: the war in Ukraine, I always find the Americans just a little bit too bloodlusty for me. like i I just yeah. can't cheer the bombings. like i I just don't feel that. but um but yeah, it's very informative.
1: Well, Colbert is such a smart, well-read guy. And an interesting thing too is with, uh, with Colbert, the executive producer of that show is a former 22 minutes writer, Barry Julian, yeah. who I, I used to share a desk with. And we're, we're quite close uh, to this day and fascinating, you know, to, to watch that journey for him because he started as a writer on Colbert's old show when it first started and then move up the ranks of head writer to an executive producer. So, um, We'll be talking. It's just a big difference when it states. It's like, you know, oh, I, uh, I uh, interviewed, you know, some Canadian, Peter McKay, yesterday. And he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we had Paul McCartney and Obama on. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's fun, huh? Good for you, bud. I'm like, oh, boy. So, like, we're the same, then, right? <laughs> yeah, you're the same, 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 same. <laughs> um,
0: I wanted to ask you about the ambushes. Mm-hmm. Like, what What do you think makes them so effective? And how do we keep,
1: keep loving them? I think there's something like, I've always said, like, I, I don't really think it happens anywhere really else in the world the same way, where I might show up somewhere to thing. And then there'll be press there and supporters there and protesters there. And it might be for the prime minister, you know, and I'll just wander up. And they'll go, oh no, Critch is here. Prime Minister, you gotta get made fun of by this guy. And then the Mounties will separate, you know, and he'll come over and I'm thinking, you don't have to do this. This, is, Why do people think this has to happen? This doesn't have to happen. <laughs> it, It's just so strange in those moments, you know? And I was just shooting Son of a Critch uh, last summer and Prime Minister Trudeau was coming through town and we had lined up an interview and I was leaving. And I, and I had to rush out and, and meet him and do that at the hotel he was staying at. And Malcolm says to me, where are you going? Why are you leaving set? And I was like, "Well, oh, I had to go do uh, an interview. A what? An interview. With who? Uh, the prime minister. What? Why? I got to go make fun of him. Where? In this hotel room. What? He's waiting for you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, the prime minister's waiting there for me to go take the piss out of him. <laughs> But why would he? And I'm like, hang on, I'll explain this when I get back. <laughs> but it was <laughs> hard to explain that moment. But I think that people like to see um, maybe somebody kind of, you know, oh, they're going to get taken down a notch or maybe see that there's a humanity in them who likes to, you know, uh, who can take a joke. You know, yeah. I think that's a really endearing and comforting thing too, or, or insightful if somebody will stand there and take it, whereas others would run in the old days and uh, or try and get security to haul you away or what have you, I think it tells you a lot about somebody, how comfortable they are with somebody saying something to them that they don't know what that's going to be. And it might be making fun. And then somebody who can give back. Like, I mean, uh, the early when Mary Walsh would do her ambushes as Merg, generally she'd grab the person and do kind of like a monologue next to him. Whereas I always wanted to go, well, let them talk. You know, if they say something better than me, that's fine too. You know, it's, it's more in the moment. And then if they say something, well, I don't really have a plan for that because I don't know what they're going to say. So that's more exciting for me, you know? So some of those were uh, a lot of fun in that way for me, but I, I, I think, you know, uh, uh, some of the people considered a regular person walking up to someone is, and who's supposed to be high and mighty and, 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 making fun of them about something or calling them on something uh I, people think really get that because i think they, they kind of see themselves in that moment kind of like good good that happened or and now they might come away with a better thinking highly higher of somebody than they did before or maybe less than someone than they did before but i think it's it's without a net too i think i think people can tell when it's happening in the moment you know some of those things are more like a sketch you would do but generally you know, I, I would do something and sometimes it pisses them off, you know, <laughs> they get upset uh, and sometimes not. But it's uh, but if, if I also like the people who I've ticked off in the past who would then do it again. So I, I, I've learned a lot about uh, people, I think, in particular, certain people um, from that and, and you know, uh, kind of respect them more for being able to take a joke.
0: Yeah, it's an odd, you know, form of accountability right um that that a politician demonstrates when they're willing to be made fun of and you do such a great job in uh in a, an embarrassment of riches you know contrasting that with your experiences uh you know in China um for example um how how have your experiences in other parts of the world um Change the way you you think about your own freedom to do what you do
1: well i i can't believe i get to do it it's such a wonderful thing and um and to be able to walk up to someone you know without getting taste um and saying what you want is is it i don't think we realize how important that is to have you know and how lovely that is to have and um it's, I, I was in China and I was interviewing a uh, a person on the street about humor there. And they were telling me about a region that Chinese people made fun of because they were lazy and they drank a lot. And I was kind of like, oh, you mean, so it's like the Chinese Newfoundland, is that what you're talking about? So we're having a chat back and forth through an interpreter. And this van pulls up and two guys who had been following us, pretend to be tourists, uh, <laughs> who were obviously <laughs> government types grabs this guy and say, and they threw him in the back of a white van. I said, Hey, what are you doing? I says, this is our uncle. He is unwell. And they hopped in the car. I'm like, I know who you are. You've been following me for two weeks. Like I have pictures of you behind me pretending to be tourists. And that was chilling, you know? And I'm thinking, Jesus, what did I just do to this guy or Rocky John Stewart? Um, he does a show there, the Al-Bashir show. And he had to flee to Jordan because of death threats. Um, he had been, his producer had been kidnapped. Um, and so they do their show now from Jordan on YouTube and people in Iraq see it and they make fun of politicians and, and what have you over there. And he's really taken his life in his hands to do something similar to what I do. And, and you know, uh, my friend Ilya in the book I talked about when I went to uh, Moscow and I had a Russian interpreter and fixer, fixer named Ilya who, we were going over there because the Russians had planted a uh, flag under the uh, ice cap and uh, said that it was theirs now. Um, the North Pole was theirs now because we planted a flag under under uh, at the bottom of the sea. I'm like, well, that's the way it works. Okay, so I went with a giant flag and planted it in the middle of Red Square and said, "This is ours now," and started telling everybody you're in Canada and stuff. And for a bit for the show and Ilya thought that this was a great sign of protest. He's like, you are like a uh, Canadian John Lennon. You give peace a chance. I'm like, no, Ilya, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just shagging around. I'm being a bit of an arse, you know? No, you are hero. You, you fly flag and Putin's face. I'm like, no, Ilya, we got to talk about this. So he was all um, inspired by this. And when I went off, he started protesting, the situation in Georgia at the time. And then he had been arrested and had a court date and all this stuff. And I was just talking to him recently. We stayed in touch. And uh, he had been protesting the situation in the Ukraine in Russia with some of his friends. And a bunch of his friends were picked up in the middle of the night and sent to jail. And so he's now fled the country. And I mean, it's a guy no this is the guy I, I did a bit with that he was inspired that I do what I do. So he started protesting more because, and, you know, you see things on the news and stuff you see. And, uh, and then, you know, it's when it's made flesh, When someone, you know, who is in danger or when uh, my friend Al Bashir, the Al Bashir show, when I hear of death threats he's having or, or someone was uh, abducted and held for a ransom or something with his show. And then I, you know, get to show up in the prime minister's hotel room and make fun of him. Um I, I don't take that lightly. You know, uh, I, 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 th- I think it's, it's a, an honor and a privilege and it's uh, so you, you, you better have something interesting to say. And uh, it, it better be good. And uh, yeah, people should hopefully be able to learn something about the person you're talking to they didn't know before. And uh, yeah, so it, it's it's that I'm a big you know, student of history. I, I love politics. I find it fascinating. So I've, I've been able to meet some wonderful people and be on the sidelines from some wonderful things. But I, and that's been wonderful but also um, I've been able to travel our country, which most Canadians never get to do and would probably th- never think of going uh, across the country, but would love to go, go to Florida, you know? So I, I get to meet a lot of Canadians and, and 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 get a sense of our country and get a sense of the things that unite us and the things that are holding us apart and the things that some politician would jump on to create larger chasms between us. And um, so I, I'm very grateful for my... Uh, opportunity to meet both political leaders, but also the people who have put them into office.
0: So you mentioned the Ukraine led by a comedian, right? Or at least a former comedian, you know, no, no joking matters now. And yet, you know, comedy is still happening, right? Um, Mm. you know, I was reading before the invasion, um, all of the traffic and road signs were taken down okay makes sense you don't want to make it easier for russians to uh invade your country but then they were replaced with signs that uh said russian expletives you know um there was a joke you know you don't have to declare a russian tank a captured russian tank on your taxes um what do you what do you (laughs) think is happening there i i I mean like i wonder at it i i i kind of love it um but it's strange, right? It's it's comedy as uh, being deployed in in a war. What do you make of that?
1: I I think there's always comedy in wars, though. You know, like you um, people World War Two then and today they always write funny messages on bombs, you know, and they'll before they're dropped and uh, there are people. Um, when I was in Afghanistan. There are lots of kind of funny signs up there and stuff. I think it's all about morale and comedy in a tragic moment and a horrible time when people are dying, when the, the, the fabric of society is being pulled apart. When you look around, you can't believe this is earth anymore. I think a comedy is a great reminder of humanity It's almost like a, it sounds corny, but it's like a flower growing up in the sidewalk somewhere, you know, you can blow up a building, but it doesn't mean you're going to beat someone's spirit and that fighting spirit. I think when there's uh, against all odds, you know, I think humor can do a a, a lot to uh, inspire people and um, bolster courage and maybe even cover fear. Comedy can also do that. Right. It's a, it's a reassurance, you know, it's, it's a signal that um, all is not lost and uh, that the spirit survives, you know. Uh, and is, is Ukraine a, a place on a map? Yes, but it's also the spirit of the people. It, it, they are Ukraine, right? It's not necessarily rocks. So I think as long as as there is humor, there is life, there is hope. Because humor is, is hope as well, I think. And, uh, and, and, uh, it's a, it's a comfort, you know, and it's a rallying cry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. My last question, would you
1: ever run for office? Um, I don't know. I can see myself getting ticked off about something and do, you know, like, but all right, that's it. I'm going to have my say, <laughs> um, I wouldn't be against it. It's certainly not a plan, but I know some people say, oh, I'd never do that. And I, I think uh, there is a it's probably a worry in people like I think I think at first, if somebody who's like a comedian becomes a politician, at first go, ha ha, excellent, good, this will be great. And then they're like, but what if he gets changed? What if he becomes one of those? I'm worried about my pension people or what if he doesn't take the calls, you know, I think there's a, a danger of, and, and the thing is too, when you're a comedian, you get to say what you want. You don't get to say what you want. If you're a politician, you, you're, you're told by, you know, PMO, this is the stance we're taking on this issue and everybody has to, well, I don't really believe in it. I know. But to get the other thing you have to say you like this, but I disagree with it. So that kind of stuff would be hard because so much of successful team politics is, swallowing the individual for different reasons and okay well you'll get your ferry but you won't get your road paved, road paved but you had to say that this place shouldn't get a hospital that kind of stuff so that would be hard but um i, I met a politician jan nar who was the uh mayor of reykjavik in iceland and he was a comedian and he he um he ran as a as a joke and he called it the best party like when iceland's uh uh economy was in the total crapper and then people thought you know Reykjavik most people in Iceland live in Reykjavik and so it's you know not that different being the mayor of Reykjavik to being the president of Iceland again but anyway he uh he ran a joke and he said I don't know anything I don't I'm not a politician I I'm not the smartest person I I'm certainly not the most well read on the issues um but I am the only one telling you that and my party is the best party, and I think I should win. And he won. <laughs> and he was actually quite uh, successful there. He, he, he only did one term, but people liked him, and they couldn't touch him in a debate because he would just say, "I either I don't understand or don't know anything about that, but I'll look into it, or he'd say, "I you know, you're obviously lying. You're being ridiculous. And uh, the people were totally on his side, and uh, and and he won. and he did a fairly good job. And now we look at Mr. Zelensky in the Ukraine, um, he is quite inspiring, and the people seem to 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 love him. um and so so it's interesting to see that, you know, a comedian could do it, I guess. But I don't know. It had to be the right moment and the right time. And the thing is, I think a lot of politicians stay on a bit too long. And as a comedian, you have to know when to leave the stage. You have to know. You get off on your big laugh and you go. So there's nothing sadder than a comedian who doesn't know when to get off the stage. So I'd be worried about that. I guess that would be the Senate. (laughs)
0: Well, Mark Critch, thank you so much for taking the risks of comedy on and for really showcasing the freedoms we enjoy in this country. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I loved it.